0: Merry Christmas, everyone. Thank you for spending part of your Christmas Eve with us here on 710 ESPN. It's a week 16 edition of Rams All Access coming off one of the most disappointing and shocking losses that I've ever experienced with the Rams organization. Can they bounce back with two regular season games, two division rivals, to finish the year with a couple of wins and another NFC West title? Let's say good evening to DeMarco Farr. Merry Christmas, my friend. How are you?
1: Merry Christmas, sir. I'm good. Hanging in there. Yeah. Did you get all your shopping done? You good? I think so.
0: I think I mentioned it on on this program last week. We've uh, spread out Christmas basically every week, every day since mid-March when the Ah. pandemic struck and we all sheltered in place. And it became a survive and advance game for mom and dad. And if there was a Christmas present (laughs) that was needed for either one of our boys to make our lives easier, they got it on (laughs) 4th. they got it on Labor day they got it on thanksgiving whenever it was needed so amen uh, to that. yes how about yes, on sir. your how about on your end you've got more specific wish lists. i feel like for your children than i do
1: well i have a daughter i have two daughters so you know nothing is ever set in stone everything is in pencil so we had a last minute change to the christmas list so super dad was in effect yesterday I think I set a land speed record going from uh, Palos Verdes all the way out to Costa Mesa and back inside of two hours. And I got it done. Yes, sir. I got the last one. The last one in stock, too. Can't tell you what it is because she may be listening.
0: I was just wondering, like, what kind of competition did you have for that, let's see, December 23rd shopping
1: spree? Dude, I went Aaron Donald in there. I did. Spend moves, (laughs) bull rushes, rips, swims, (laughs) seat roll. (laughs) I got it done, though. I got it, put it in the car, drove home everybody's happy everybody's going to be happy how about for the misses any plan of attack there oh that was long ago that was click click done this is 18 years in man so you know i i know what she wants and and she always tells me what she wants like uh, right around march so i get that done early and i I, the the trick for me is hiding it
0: i see well you know how i get the uh, christmas wish list from my lovely wife she hands me the I'm receipt. I'm afraid to ask. <laughs> she 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 hands me the receipt that she's already purchased it for herself and says, "Thank you and you're welcome."
1: That's not so all bad. That's pretty cool. Yeah. No. Well, some, <laughs> some years it's
0: better and worse than others. Um, so tell me tell me this, if if all I have on my Christmas wish list DeMarco, is for the Rams to win their final two games at Seattle in Week 16, home to Arizona in Week 17 to make this taste go away. What are my chances?
1: Uh, pretty good. And I would say I would add my name to your list, or we have the same list. I send it off to Santa as well. But yeah, man, I mean it's it's entirely possible. I Seattle is a different Seattle squad than we saw before. They're 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 firing it on, on all cylinders right now, running the football. Russell Wilson is still Russell, and they're playing good special teams and their defense. When we talked about Seattle's defense way back when, uh, I think we said that Pete Carroll at some point is going to fix this, and they did. So Uh, This is a true Seattle Seahawks squad in December, and you have to go up there. The only benefit is there is no crowd noise. So uh, this is entirely possible. It will be tough, uh, but you can beat Seattle. You've beat them at their best before. And I think uh, you you still hold sway over the Arizona Cardinals. So getting into the playoffs is entirely possible. Uh, I think we have to put the Jets behind us and the stink of that behind us uh, as far as we can and just focus on what's in front. And what's in front is entirely winnable for this L.A. Rams squad.
0: You know, I wasn't planning to dig too deeply into the defense right off the, the jump, but I think now that it's here, we might as well address it. If you make the mistake, Rams fans... Rams broadcasters of expecting the Seattle defense that showed up at SoFi stadium. You're going to have a pretty awful holiday season because since we've seen them, they've allowed 16 points per game and averaged three and a half sacks per contest. Mm -hmm. Both of those totals are top five in the NFL. So if you remember setting up that Week 10 affair at SoFi Stadium, the Seahawks were historically bad. Like, literally, they had multiple check marks in the column of worst ever in NFL history. That is no longer the case. They're healthier. Carlos Dunlap has made a huge difference. I think Jamal Adams has settled in. This, I can't believe I'm saying this given where we were a couple of months ago. This might be the best defensive challenge the Rams face all season.
1: Yeah, it's funny how that goes. I, I think Pete Carroll. I, I'm not sure when he was out here at USC. When I used to talk to him, when I was doing this Trojan show, and you know, he's he takes care of his body, but I don't think he's a bungee jumper or a guy that jumps out of airplanes. But this is his bungee cord jumping here. This sort of fixing bad football and not panicking. He's he he's real comfortable within the fire. So back when they had the worst defense in the history of ball. He didn't panic, and he didn't run away from it. All he said was, we will get it fixed. So it happens in football. Sometimes it just takes uh, a few things, a few tweaks, uh, technique-wise or schematic-wise, or you have to sub in uh, a few players and just change how you do things, and then things turn around, you know, astronomically. So uh, I think that's where they are. I mean, if you look at their scheme and what they're doing, not much has changed. Uh, the names, how they sub people may have been, but they're playing harder. They're playing more discipline. They're pursuing to the football. Uh, the one thing that jumps off the page or the screen when I watch them now is they're getting all 11 uh, in the frame when the ball is dead. And that's that's football, That's football. a football way of saying they're pursuing like crazy to the ball. So – That's the stuff you can fix, but yeah, I agree, man. Man for man, this is going to be tough. Schematically, it's going to be tough. They don't make a lot of mistakes, and uh, they're out to get the ball. They're out to rip the ball away from you, so that's how they win. That's what he preaches, and when it happens, they think he walks on water, and they think they can't be beaten, so this will be a tough matchup for the Rams' offense, but this defense has made a miraculous turnaround. It will be tough on Sunday to get it done for the Rams.
0: Yeah, Seahawks have allowed fewer than 20 points in four consecutive games. That's the longest active streak in the league, and it's Seattle's longest streak since 2016, also the last time they won the West. There's a major caveat there, though, DeMarco, and that is the quarterbacks and the offenses they've been doing that against, that the turnaround has come against. It includes most recently Dwayne Haskins, another backup in Colt McCoy, even though the Giants beat them in their place. Carson Wentz, who has subsequently been benched, And then Sam Darnold and the Jets. But I want to circle back to something that you said earlier on today in between the horns, um, our Rams podcast, which is that was no fluke at SoFi Stadium last week. Darnold and the Jets outplayed the Rams, and that's a very difficult reality to be contending with this deep in December.
1: Oh, no doubt. Sam Darnold did. I, I thought he was phenomenal on game day. And anybody who, who says otherwise didn't see the game. I mean, I thought he was great buying time. I thought he got the ball out. I thought he uh, beat the defense to the spot with the football time and time again, especially early on, uh, throwing to those running backs. So, you know, Russell Wilson, you know, they're going to be staring at that, studying that and seeing how they can get those those same linebackers, Troy Reeder and, 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 and Kenny Young into, the, in, in, into space and try to take advantage of that and see if Brandon Staley can come up with an answer sooner than later later but they're going to run everything that hurts you until you learn how to stop it until you talk them out of it and they've got some pretty good backs that can catch and they're bulldozers so uh it's carlos hyde running the football is scary in a backup role and and chris carson coming back i think has been the biggest difference in this entire football team i mean when he brings it when he brings the oomph he's the heart and soul he's kind of like the the robert woods for the Rams except he's running the football when he brings it everybody's energy goes up so uh this will be tough but all those guys you mentioned uh Haskins then you mentioned uh Colt McCoy and then Sam Darnold Uh, where would you if you were ranking them with Jared Goff where would you put Goff in that in that equation Uh, I can only imagine what they think of Jared Goff in Seattle I just wonder where we would put them in that same group of four guys
0: well, I would hope that Seattle has a healthier respect for Jared Goff than almost any opponent in the league because he and Sean McVay have carved them up.
1: Yeah, well, I, I, I hope so. I, but I, I mean, I, I hope you're right, but I think – Seeing what you just saw and seeing the quote unquote bad Jared Goff and what makes him the quote unquote bad Jared Goff, Seattle can do that to you. They have the same sort of pieces that can put pressure off the edge and pressure up the gut. And uh, with Jamal Adams, with those timely blitzes, they can get into your kitchen to force that bad Jared Goff to come out, at least for one game, for one day in, in one Sunday in Seattle. So uh, they're going to bring everything they've got at Jared Goff to see if they can get him to turn it over.
0: Yeah, I don't want to be guilty of recency bias. I hear what you're saying in terms of, you know, based off of the recent performances that Jared's put on the field, you'd be hard-pressed to kind of distinguish him from someone like Sam Darnold who just Mm -hmm. outplayed him at SoFi Stadium. That being said, he is at least one tier, hopefully two tiers, clear of the Wentz-McCoy-Haskins-Darnold category right now in aggregate, and especially when he plays a familiar scheme like the one he's going to see in Seattle. But, yeah, I, I don't... I don't think there's any sense avoiding the elephant in the room right now, which is that the Rams can't get to where they want to go with the way he's been playing for a large chunk of this season and really going back to a good portion of last season as well. This is a Super Bowl-worthy defense. I think while there's still some major flaws on special teams, which reared their ugly uh, heads again uh, in that loss against the Jets, at least Matt Gay has put you in a more predictable, reliable position with your place-kicking game. And then even without Cam Akers, you're running the football well enough to go deep in this postseason. The only question, I think, in terms of consistency is, like you presented, which Jared Goff are you going to get for the final two regular season games and as deep into January as as you're allowed to play? And that's not a comfortable position to be in. I I don't think anyone right now feels, feels great about having to have that conversation again at the end of year four with McVay and year five overall.
1: Well, I, I, I'm not surprised by it. I don't think the players are surprised by it. I mean, I think you know what the situation calls for and what the situation needs. You're going to have to run the football effectively, number one. So that's running backs and offensive line tight ends and receivers blocking up front. I mean, it's going to take that yeoman's effort from everybody to move the football uh, on the ground. And then that will open everything up for the passing game. And then defensively, look, uh, that first drive by the Jets, the problem you were having with running backs and the miscommunication cannot happen have that. You've got to be letter perfect. Number one, you've got to keep Russell Wilson in the pocket. Number two, you've got to stop the running game, and it's tough. You can't let Seattle drive the football and put pressure on your offense so that you have to go away from the run game. So this is nothing new. This won't be shocking. You know what the game plan is, and you have to go out and execute. Now, there's always that chance that the quote-unquote good Jared Goff shows up—the guy in shotgun that just deals, the guy that's tougher than nails that can will you to win a football game or throw guys open. So, uh, but the thing that really—and and, and the last time we'll talk about the Jets—it's—it's it's the one that I—it's the, the 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 taste I can't get out of my mouth was those that last series of plays. Uh, where you throw to Cam Akers and it's out of bounds, and then the last play you throw it to Gerald Everett, who's a good tight end, but Cooper Cup and Robert Woods are your guys. They are, and Cooper Cup was open at the sticks. That would have been a first down. Robert Woods was coming open. I don't care what the situation calls for, and this is just me talking out loud. I don't care what the situation called for or what came off the bench. When it's crunch time and I need a play, I'm going to my playmaker's. I'm going to the guys that make plays for me. Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, they should have seen targets. So hopefully everyone will learn from this loss, including uh, QB1. When the game is on the line, hit your best guys. Hit your most reliable people, and let's make a play from there. So uh, it's all on film. Everybody saw it. He saw it. So let's hope we can... Turn that around going into Seattle. But, you know, like you said, historically, Jared Goff has had great games versus Seattle. You're going to need one again uh, versus a squad in, in in Seattle that thinks they can get to the Super Bowl by beating you. That
0: was very nicely said. DeMarco, Seattle can clinch the NFC West with a win over the Rams. That was supposed to be L.A.'s privilege going to Seattle in Week 16. Instead, by virtue of that loss at home to the previously winless New York Jets, They're going to have a lot more heavy lifting than they expected. Coming up, it's DK Metcalf against Jalen Ramsey. The rematch. What does DeMarco Farr expect? Plus, what does the loss of Cam Akers mean to this Rams offense right as he was just about to peak in his rookie season? Glad you're with us for this holiday edition of Rams All Access on 710 ESPN. Merry Christmas once again, everyone. DeMarco Farr, J.B. Long with you. Looking forward to a road trip to Seattle for the Los Angeles Rams, trying to sweep the Seahawks here in 2020. And DeMarco, every time we face Pete Carroll and the Hawks, I'm reminded of just how close the Rams are to being undefeated against not one but two of their division rivals since Sean McVay was hired. We know he's never fallen to the Cardinals, and that's going to be the regular season finale at SoFi Stadium. But do you ever reflect on being two plays away from being 7-0 and against the Seahawks as well? Think about that Cooper Cup drop in the end zone in 2017. Wow. And then think about Greg Zerline having the game on his laces from 44 yards on Thursday night football in 2019. I mean, those are two high percentage. Those individuals typically convert those opportunities. And still, the Rams have taken five of the last six off of Seattle
1: you know i haven't thought of it that way and i haven't thought about that cooper cup drop miss pass whatever you want to call it i haven't thought about that in a while I, the one i keep thinking about is the Zerline miss i don't know maybe it's, it's because of the place kicker but i'll tell you what it's done for me and what it's done for rams fans when i see seahawk fans walk by i, I don't look at that seahawk logo with fear or reverence anymore i don't uh, and i see them show the rams logo a lot of respect so that's that's been different. That's 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 been the Sean McVay effect. So uh, Seattle's had some tough squads. I, I wouldn't say the Rams have been better, and I wouldn't say the Seahawks have been worse. I think the Rams have been better on game day, and I think that's the only thing that matters. It's hard to say that the, the Rams have been better when they have – Russell Wilson at quarterback, who's going to the Pro Bowl this year. But, yeah, I mean, I think that has been the culture change, not being afraid of the Seahawks and not showing them way too much respect. But, yeah, they've always played the Seahawks tight. They've always played them tough and vice versa, but the Rams have made more plays when it matters most. So I think all of that is going to be needed on game day because the last thing that you you, you can't forget this, Pete Carroll hates this. Pete Carroll can't stand it, and he wants to go back to the way it was. And it only starts with – it will start with a victory like this Sunday, if they can beat the Rams and clinch a playoff spot and go on to do great things in the postseason. But uh, for, for Rams fans' sake, for the players' sake, I hope that Sean McVay has his guys ready to go from the jump in Seattle to get ahead, get on top of them, and make Seattle believe or remind them that we can't beat these guys and we haven't beat these guys. In a number of years, uh, once that starts to set in, I think you have a better chance to beat them up there. mark
0: you know what's not going to be the same though is CenturyLink Field, which is now Lumen Field, I guess, and the 12s will of course not be there because of this COVID-19 pandemic, and so this is one of those trips that I think you have a healthy fear of because of the noise factor in Seattle. I wonder what that'll be like for Goff and the offensive line and the Rams to not have to worry about their silent count on the road in Seattle.
1: Wow. I remember when we used to look at the the schedule and find out when you're going to play Seattle and it's it. they always seem to have seen, send the Rams up there in December and you're thinking cold, yes. wet, rainy, and loud. Oh, I mean, you're depressed before you even get on the plane. You know what I mean? But now it's a little bit different. It's not going to be loud. It's still going to be cold and wet and rainy and whatnot, but it's... Uh, the crowd noise isn't going to be there. So that kind of levels the playing field, but you still have to go beat Seattle. Seattle doesn't care about crowd noise. They've been able to kind of overcome it. So there are no road games this year. So may the best team win on game day. You don't have the benefit of crowd noise, uh, but I'll tell you what, I mean, uh, if, if you go out there and, and lay an egg uh, in your mind's eye or, or in your mind's ear, <laughs> you can hear the booze coming from Los Angeles, or you can hear the chin cheers when you win. So, uh, it's got, it, it favors the Rams, uh, but look, you, you still have to go beat the Seattle Seahawks uh, that are playing good football at this point in all three phases. Uh, Sunday's forecast,
0: again, subject to change. DeMarco knows better than any of us how quickly the weather can flip in Seattle, but a high of 46, a break in a week-long rainstorm for the Rams game against the Seahawks on Sunday. We shall see. As for that game, there's two ways that the Rams can be playoff bound before they even kick it off at Lumen Field. Um, An Arizona win would be one. A Chicago loss in the early window Sunday would be the other. Again, very, very overwhelmingly strong odds. The Rams are going to the postseason. What's in question now is, is their seed and whether or not they can win the NFC West by winning out here down the stretch. This is kind of a good news, bad news situation here, DeMarco. I want to present this to you in terms of what it means for the temperament, the disposition of Sean McVay's Rams. They're 4-0 this year following a loss with an average margin of victory of almost 10 points. So when they do have a setback, they almost always bounce back. I think the problem is they've had too many setbacks. Those setbacks have come against what you would call the quote-unquote wrong opponents. And now you're at a time in, in, in the season where you don't really have margin for setbacks anymore. They've all got to be comebacks from here on out. In fact, I think Sunday you would hope starts a season-ending winning streak that would put you you know, in the playoffs and will take you as deep as you can until you lose again.
1: You know what, JB? When I was a player, uh, I had a defensive coordinator, and I'm trying to remember, I think it was Bud Carson, the great architect of the, of the Steel Curtain, of the Pittsburgh Steelers. I mean, this is a legendary defensive coordinator that we were working for, and he was saying stuff that just blew my mind, and the thing that he couldn't stand the most when he watched film was a noticeable change of speed in pursuit, uh, and that used to just like really like make my, my 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 brain explode because I didn't get it. I thought, you know, once the ball broke and you started to pursue hard, I thought that was great. No, he wanted you to go, you know, flat out all the time. When he saw you pick up speed, uh, chasing the ball carrier, he hated it. So you had, he had to coach that out of us to play hard all the time. Once we got it, we were great. We were good at it. So I get it with this football team, and I think that's the challenge for this squad and this coaching staff that why do you have to wait to get punched in the mouth to respond? You should play like that all the time, but – just like Pete Carroll in the defense, it, it takes some tweaks and once you finally get it right and it may happen in December, uh, you, you come out flying. So I think this loss to the Jets for the coaching staff and the players could be the wake-up call that they need. Hey man, we have to do things right all the time. We can't get complacent. We can't let anything slide because... We're not that football team. so. But I, I like it. When they do respond, you come back with a win and you look great. Now, uh, the one thing you can't have from here on out is that letdown. I mean, you're in a two-game playoff to get into the postseason, and then you're in the playoffs to win a Super Bowl. So you, you you've used up all your mulligans. You have. You you don't have any more. You, you have to win out from here, and you have to play your best football from here. You have to have your best film study from here, your best meetings from here. Uh, there are no do-overs at this point if you want to be a champion. So uh, I think that's good. I think this that's the way you can bounce back from a loss, a, a historic loss, and have that propel you to uh, play your best football week in and week out. But your mulligans are all used up for this year.
0: I like that word. I've used it myself. I mean, let's face it, uh, the Rams aren't the only ones who've stubbed their toes. The reason they're still in control of their postseason fate is because the Giants went to Seattle and beat the Seahawks just a couple of weeks ago. That gave the Rams the margin for error to lose to the Jets at home, as they did and still be able to win out and win the West. All right, let's dig into some matchups here with DeMarco Farr. I'm JB Long. Still to come, we've got four down territory. The latest from Seahawks territory, Bob Condata who covers the Hawks, for the uh, Seattle Tribune will be our guest, um, but I took a picture of uh, what was this third quarter, week ten. Okay, so we're we're in the middle of the game against the Seahawks, and I look up in the third quarter at SoFi Stadium, DeMarco, and on the gargantuan video board in Inglewood, there's a side by side of DK Metcalf on the left and Cooper Cup on the right, okay? And if you remember Cooper Cup was having a nice game, he had four catches, fifty three yards at that point, so they're showing his stats. And then on the left side of this split screen is DK Metcalf who's gonna be an all pro receiver and is going to set just about every single Seahawks receiving record. His stats were blank. I mean not even zeroes, just black. Nothing there which I think was maybe the largest testament to who Jalen Ramsey has been for this Rams defense all season. So a couple of targets, no catches, no work for Metcalf against Ramsey in their first meeting of the season. What should we expect in round two?
1: Well, you would expect the best out of Metcalf, and Jalen Ramsey did a great job just taking him away. He was a blanket coverage. He was a glove on Metcalf, Uh, but it wasn't just one guy. I mean, Russell Wilson was sacked six times in that game, and the pressure was nonstop on him, and Russell Wilson didn't have such a great game to begin with, but I would expect them to try to get the ball to DK Metcalf. That cannot stand uh, if you're a Seattle Seahawk, if you're D.K. Metcalf. You're going to demand the football. Russell Wilson is going to do everything he can to get the football to that guy because it matters for this Sunday and it matters for the future. You have to keep build his confidence. You can't let D.K. Metcalf think that there's a guy in this division that can stop him by himself. So uh, you're going to make him prove it again. Uh, but just like this last time when I saw DK Metcalf on the bench in the fourth quarter uh, just sitting out they had to pull him out of the game because he was that frustrated uh, I'd like to see that again and if Seattle is going to have to run these pick routes and rub routes to get him open versus Jalen Ramsey that is a victory for the Rams because Brandon Staley can play off that but they're going to find a way to get him the football he's one of their best players if not their their best player outside of Russell Wilson so for them to win for them to beat the Rams Metcalf's going have to score, so at some point they're going to have to go to him or just try to jam the football to him uh, to move it. So it'll be up to Jalen Ramsey again in one-on-one situations down the field, vertical routes. I would say I would test him vertically if I'm Russell Wilson, and uh, because Jalen Ramsey plays on right to the edge of the rules, I would see if I can force some some PIs or some illegal contacts out of that to pull him off of DK Metcalf, kind of create space that way. Uh, I would test him as much as I could to see if he's up to par, up to snuff that day, and, and see if we can go from there. If not, go someplace else. Uh, you've already proven you can. So, But I would say DK Metcalf is going to be a large part of their game plan coming into Sunday.
0: You know, that's a great point. You think back to Monday Night Football against Tampa Bay, that's what Brady and the Bucs did. They went yeah. vertical on him, and they got a couple of penalty flags on him. Those are good as, good as catches.
1: Absolutely, and Jalen Ramsey is – one of the best at politicking with the officials. I mean, dare I say, <laughs> some people are afraid to drop a flag on him <laughs> because you know what's coming if you do. But, hmm. I mean, it's it's right to the letter of the law. It could go either way. That's how much contact he creates on those vertical routes. So I would try him that way and see if DK can either beat him or you might get the flag. And if you do get the flag, you may back him off to create space that way. But I, I would I would say Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf won't back down from it. They'll rise to the challenge and come after him. Two
0: questions about Russell Wilson. One, what do you make of his Bart Starr-like performance at Washington, as described by his head coach, Pete Carroll? And then, and then secondly, take these in whatever order you want. To my mind's eye, that was as poor a performance – as I've ever seen Russell Wilson play in person at SoFi Stadium, and I've watched plenty on TV as well, but I know the Rams have had his number. That took it to a new degree. I feel like that Week 10 affair. He he misplays, and he made decisions that I've never seen him make. They were losing ones, and oh, it was no still a close game. But I mean that that was squarely on his shoulders. I thought that loss as much as the, the Rams one, did well.
1: Yeah. The one where he had the, the first down if he scrambles and he throws back across his body, that was picked. I don't know who got that. Was that Troy? Who picked that one? He got one the interception. In the no, that
2: was
0: Darius Williams. That was oh, Darius, Darius Williams, Williams first. And, and yeah. I would take it even further. That might have been a touchdown. Forget first down. He might have housed that thing.
1: That's, I mean, you, you had that and he made the decision to go there. So it was the let Russ let Russ cook. Well, he burnt that one. So was Pete Carroll saying that the, the performance versus Washington was Bart Star like
0: yeah, just in terms of the way yeah. that they've, they've kind of got back to their old personality in terms of, you know, last week he was handing it off. They, they were rushing for 50% of their yards. He, I think, has respect for that Washington front, as we found out. My goodness, Young and Sweat and those guys, they're nasty. Woo. You don't want any part <laughs> yeah. of that in your drop-back game, even when you have Russell's skill set.
1: Vicious, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was... Uh, Bart Starr liked to bring it a little more into the modern era. It was John Elway when he had Terrell Davis as a running back. I mean, they ran the football, ran the football, ran the football, and all John Elway did, all Russell Wilson did, was collect information on your defense to see when he can take advantage of those matchups. Hey, when we run the football here, I've got a one-on-one matchup back here that we could roll out or I could PA or play action you and get the ball out. So, yeah, I mean, that type of offense is... Basically, old-school, traditional offense in December anyway. That's the type of stuff that wins you championships, when you could run the football effectively and have a quarterback that can throw off of it. And Russell Wilson is a guy, even if he doesn't throw it, he can still scramble and hurt you. Uh, They ran up, what, 181 yards versus Washington? That's demoralizing to a defense, rushing yards, and that controls the clock. That takes air out of the football. If they're doing that versus L.A., then you might as well forget about the Rams running game. You're going to have to throw to keep up because you won't have any time anyway. They're controlling the football for too long.
0: You're spot on 181 rushing. Russell Wilson had a good chunk of that. Season low 121 passing for Wilson. Still the Rams are the only team to hold him without a touchdown this year. One that was shaping up to be an MVP campaign. And we'll ask uh, Bob Condotta from Seattle where that stands here as we enter Week 16. I do want to touch on the offensive line in front of him, though, because you know sometimes we lose track of who was up and who was down in these specific matchups. But I don't think you can overlook the importance of Ethan uh, Posick, their center, uh, missing the first meeting with the Rams because of a concussion. You had Kyle Fuller in there taking his first offensive snaps of the season. This time around, uh, Posick should be good as their starting center. But their left guard, Mike Potty, is coming off a stinger. And their right tackle, Brandon Schell, uh, hurt his ankle a couple of weeks back, then came back, tweaked it again. He missed last week. We'll see what his status is for Sunday against the Rams. But all that to say, you should be good at center. Left guard, Aaron Donald territory. Right tackle, Leonard Floyd territory, who had um, a career game against Russell Wilson and the Seahawks, could be opportunities in your pass rushing game.
1: And it's funny, we don't even mention Dwayne Brown. (laughs) (laughs) yeah just stay away from that guy or whatever you get from the from the right end position is going to be gravy but yeah man I think this is their line this is what they do they're great at run blocking they have that mental telepathy they can communicate they they get the right guys blocked and in the the pass rush or the pass protection situation especially against the Rams they have a center that just seems to always always know where Aaron Donald's going to be and give help to the guards Uh, He really just eliminates that A-gap to force Aaron to go wide. But the problem is Aaron can beat you from any position, any direction. If he wants to just go B-gap, he can win there or just bull rush you. But they will make it tough on Aaron to get to Russell Wilson or at least sack him. And Russell's tough to get on the ground anyway. But, yeah, I mean, the the guy that comes to mind is the guy you mentioned second was Leonard Floyd. Uh, You need a monster one out of him. You really do. Uh, He's got to be that threat. That the opposite Aaron Donald that just makes Russell Wilson have to think about him as well as 99. But uh, if you don't get that, then you may have to start pressuring and then you may have to expose your secondary. And that's the last thing you want with a scrambling quarterback. But pressure on Wilson is paramount. Stop the run, number one, and then getting pressure on Russell Wilson, keep him on the move or getting him on the ground. uh, That's going to be the game.
0: All right, coming up next is four down territory, and then I want to talk with DeMarco a little bit about the pass rush and the sack artists in Seattle, both of whom were acquired uh, in trades uh, over the course of this past calendar year and what that means for Goff and the offense's challenge, uh, chances and challenges as we go to Seattle for week 16. It's summer billing as a de facto NFC West championship game. Four Down Territory with the latest from Seahawks territory is next. On Rams All Access, this is 710 ESPN. Welcome back to Rams All Access. It's week 16. It's a rematch with the Seattle Seahawks. this time at their place. In time for a segment we call Four Down Territory, our weekly trip inside opponent's territory. Bob Condotta has been our guest on this program a few times. He covers the Seahawks uh, for the Seattle Times. And, Bob, this looks and feels like a different Seahawks team, really on both sides of the football, more like the previous iteration we were used to where they're they're run heavy and their defense is playing more like we expect a Pete Carroll group to play. What can you tell us has evolved with the Seattle Seahawks since they came to Inglewood in Week 10?
2: Yeah, you're right. They've really uh, sort of gotten back to the way – I think Pete Carroll envisions it a little bit more, which is they are they are running it a little bit more. Um, the defense has gotten a lot better, and you know, one of the biggest things that happened is just getting guys into the lineup and healthy. You know, they traded for Carlos Dunlap, so um, he's he's been a huge. He has five sacks in the six games he's played. Um, that started to turn around when uh, when they played the Rams. They actually sort of point to that game as, as the second half of that game is when they feel like they really started to find some things. Um, uh, you know, Jamal Adams has gotten healthy and, and is playing a lot better. Uh, you know, they made a few other little tweaks to some personnel stuff and, and some guys getting back in the lineup. So, I don't know. They, they sort of feel like you know the defense is just finally sort of what they envisioned it would be all along, and it just took a while to get there. You know, offensively, they, they definitely have. You know, I think early in the year they played some defenses that weren't as good and some defenses that I think gave them some things and it probably led to a little bit of a false sense of of what they could do. Um, You know, some teams have really tried to take away the the deep passing game and things like that now and so the Seahawks have sort of had to adjust to that and and are playing in a little bit different style now. And you know, it was pretty crazy last week. They won a game and they didn't have a pass longer than 15 yards, which which I think was uh, only the second time in Russell Wilson's time as quarterback he had you know his long game had been less than that so um definitely a little bit of a different style for sure
0: what's the feel in the pacific northwest about the rematch between dk metcalf and jalen ramsey
2: yeah people will be excited to see it you know that's 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 become a real storyline you know dk's had a few of these this year uh stefan gilmore and and patrick peterson the two matches he's had with him and um it, you know um Gilmore, in particular, he really was able to have some success on uh, there's been some guys you know other teams, James Bradbury of the Giants there's been some um times when when he's had when he's had some matchups like this, and he's had some pretty good success. I know there's been some times that some of these guys uh you know in these one on one matchups like that some some guys have been able to take him out of it a little bit and uh you know he still has put up uh, amazing numbers, so it's hard to say anybody's really contained him and, and things like that. But, uh, uh, you know, people will will definitely, uh, you know, be a talking point and all that because, of, because there has been, just because of DK and the way he has emerged as such a leader of this team this year, opponents are obviously trying to do more things to try to limit him because I think they feel like Seattle's receiving core other than, other than Tyler Lockett, um, you know, isn't, isn't, that, isn't that fearsome so that if you can hold down the top two guys a little bit, you know, you can have some success on their passing game maybe.
0: Bob Kandada joins us on this Christmas Eve. He covers the Seahawks for the Seattle Times. We're previewing week 16. If the Seahawks can win it, they'll be NFC West champions. If the Rams get the victory, they'll have a chance to come home and beat Arizona to claim the division themselves. What's the status of Russell Wilson's MVP campaign? It felt like he was the front runner the last time we saw the Seahawks. Has it fizzled to the point where I think even the, the Seahawks fan base would say it's probably going to go to another candidate this year?
2: Oh, for sure. Yeah. I, I, nobody's been talking about that for a while now. I, you know, uh, Russell sort of hit his neighbor maybe in that, in the first Rams game. He, he, he had a couple uh, kind of had a rough game, uh, um, right before that, a, a couple of rough moments in the games right before that. The Rams game, I think is when, I, I think they would probably say that was maybe about his worst game just because the things in that game felt so, unforced, um, you know, so out of character. The, the interception of the, in the end zone when he was trying to hit will definitely would look like if he, if he had just kept the ball and run, he, he could have gotten, you know, 15, 20 yards, um, you know, just dropping a snap, um, some things like that, that, that happened in that game. Uh, so, I, I, nobody's been talking about the MVP for a while now. I don't think anybody is, 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 uh, you know, worried about that at the moment. Uh, you know, the, the Russell has, uh, he got off to such a great start and, you know, he was an obvious guy to, to be talking about for that. But, you know, to just, just look at the numbers over the last six or seven games and, you know, there's been other guys putting up much, but, much, uh, much bigger numbers. You know, that said, I, Russell has, has had a great year, you know, 36 touchdowns and, um, you know, he's, he's still, uh, by far, you know, I think the best thing this team has going for him, but he's playing at such an incredible level for a while. It was probably inevitable that that was going to ebb a little bit. Last thing, Bob, I know we don't devote
0: enough uh, real estate to it on this program or on a lot of our platforms, and that is special teams. It's been a hard year for the Rams on special teams, but when I look at the Seahawks, seems like they've been nearly flawless that was uh, one area where maybe they didn't reap the full rewards of pro bowl honors though i know they did bring home seven of those to tie a franchise record but in that phase of the game would you say the seahawks are as good as any team in the national football league at winning that third phase
2: yeah they've been they've been really good at it um you know what's interesting is you you look at their return games and and which is often when you think of a special team, you, know, you immediately think about kickoff and punt returns. They haven't, you know, probably been that much better than, than your average team it just the returns themselves. But it's been everything else, they've been phenomenal at uh, the, the kicking and punting and, and the coverage of both of those. Um, they, they sort of they've had one kickoff return that, that sort of hurt them a little bit, but otherwise it's it just been lights out. Um, and and uh, and you're right, you know, they got two special team spots, both their snapper and. Than nick bellore uh, got it for his coverage um you know we able to, to get in there and people were still mad they didn't have three or four guys on the special teams uh, pro bowl unit but michael dixon has just had a great year as a punter you know uh, statistically this is a better year than his, his rookie year in 2018 when he did make the pro bowl and it's hard to complain about the guy who made it at, you know fox and detroit is having an amazing year too and if you break down their numbers you know they're, they're probably the two best punters in the nfc right now and um, in terms of just number, Johnny Hecker is a great punter too. We all know him up here from his days at Boffle High School and all that. Um, so, there's uh, everybody has a lot of respect for Johnny, and I know he's he's he's. i uh, had a really good year in his own right. I know doing some things, but if you just look at like the raw punting numbers, uh, you know Dixon has been has just been phenomenal. And then Jason Myers hasn't missed a field goal all year, and has a has a pretty amazing streak right now, 31 straight. Uh, consecutive field goal dating back to last season and, and that includes the 61 yarder he made against the run down there. So, um, you know, Myers hasn't had to, you know, he hasn't really had like a game winner with five seconds left or anything like that. Uh, just the, the way these games have gone. Um, he hasn't necessarily been put in that kind of situation and, and, and maybe, you know, that hurt him a little bit when he came to the Pro Bowl stuff. But, but, uh, you know, hard to, hard to ask you to do anything more than just make every single field goal you've been asked to make.
0: No question. And every time I prepare for the Seahawks, I'm going to see that 61-yarder from Week 10, which is a franchise record and will very likely be the SoFi Stadium record for a long time. So Jason Myers, Michael Dixon, the special teams unit for the Seahawks, one of their many strengths. Bob Condotta, thank you for spending some of your holiday week with us previewing Week 16, the Rams and the Seahawks rematch.
2: Sure. Anytime, you guys.
0: And next, as promised, let's bring DeMarco far back in. We talked about the pass rush for the Rams against that offensive line of Seattle. How about what uh, the Seahawks have done to bring in some pass rush help? Because they were in a world of hurt, I think, the first half of the season. Part of the reason their numbers were so bad, maybe the biggest reason their numbers were so bad, is they were not puncturing pockets. They weren't bothering opposing passers. Well, guess what? They get Jamal Adams healthy, all of a sudden he set a record for defensive backs with nine and a half sacks to Marco. And for a seventh round pick, my goodness, was Carlos Dunlap worth it? to dig him out of Cincinnati because he has completely changed their pass rush approach.
1: Oh, Dunlap is the newest mercenary. Remember when they had Jadavian Clowney? It was the same thing. They're bringing in guys sure. to rush the passer and just do what they do best. But uh, professional guy, he knows what he's doing. He always got pressure, averaged seven sacks a year in Cincinnati. Uh, the only reason that he didn't get more pub there is because you're stuck in Cincinnati. But uh, the guy can beat just about anybody and he's clean when he does it. But Jamal Adams... Uh, The way he plays, he reminds me of Carnell Lake. Um, He's a safety, yes, but when he turns it on to go towards the quarterback, he may be their best pass rusher. He's not just running scot-free to the quarterback and getting sacks. He's beating people in a variety of ways. He likes it. He understands it. He gets it. He's got a natural wiggle, plus he's a safety. So they are tough with a two-headed monster, and they get a lot of push up the gut as well.
0: One quick word on Pro Bowl snubs here, I promise. I, I do not care about Pro Bowl honors. I really don't. All pro means a lot to me. Um, but in ter- other than like the players getting the incentives that they're doing, their contracts, Pro Bowl, I, I genuinely couldn't care less. But it dawns on me that John Johnson, I think, was deserving. I think he calling and captaining this defense, which has been one of, if not the best in football, and him having a career year would have been worthy. That said, I can't argue against the ones who were picked ahead of him, but I think it's fascinating that Adams is this week and Buda Baker is next week. right? If you <laughs> wow. want to prove your case, if you want to prove going into a contract, uh, going into a free agent offseason, that you're the best safety in the division, well, this week you're going to play a guy who the Seahawks gave up, what, two first-round picks to acquire? Sure did. And next week... You're gonna face the guy who got the largest safety contract in NFL history. Wow! So John Johnson, you know,
1: yeah, go play your. We're best always ball. we're always talking about the plays they make, but we never talk about the plays they get they give up, and vice versa for John Johnson. The plays he makes, the biggest ones in the game, may not be the impact plays, the picks or the the sacks or whatever. It could be he's the last line of defense and gets a guy on the ground so you can live to fight another down. <laughs> That was the biggest play in the game. So, yeah, if I had my druthers, I'd take J.J. over just about anybody in the NFL.
0: Seven Pro Bowl selections to tie a franchise record for the Seattle Seahawks. Only two, Donald and Ramsey, for the Los Angeles Rams, who have a chance to go prove it on the field in Seattle and home at SoFi Stadium these final two weeks of the regular season. Final thoughts on this matchup still to come on 710 ESPN. All right, week 16, the Rams are 9-5. They go to face the 10-4 Seattle Seahawks, who have already punched their playoff ticket. The Seahawks win this one. They will clinch the NFC West for the first time in 2016. Conversely, the Rams trying to keep their division hopes alive by winning on the road in Seattle, sweeping the regular season series against the Seahawks, and then setting up a mammoth week 17 against Arizona at SoFi Stadium. Merry Christmas once again, everyone, with DeMarco Farr. I am JB Long. I want to touch on the backfields for both um, of these teams, these rosters, DeMarco, because they'll look different this time around in the rematch. And let's start with the Rams. First of all, your thoughts on Cam Akers having a high ankle sprain, given what he did against the Jets, what he was asked to do in the second half after returning from that injury. And then also, like, will we see him again this season, given the nature of high ankle sprains?
1: Wow, tough. I had one, and it ruined my entire season. I had it in preseason, and it just ruined my entire regular season. So that's tough. And when I heard it was a high ankle sprain, you know, I, I fell to my knees like Wayne's World style. We're not worthy. We're not worthy that you did all that on a high ankle. So, yeah, impressive. And it really, as we were watching this unfold, when I saw him get his ankle taped or his foot worked on, I was telling you guys, I'm not sure if this guy's going to come back in the game today. You may see a lot of Daryl Henderson. And then Akers went back into the game, and they allowed him to play, and he kept making plays. And I said, I think we have found the tailback. I think the running back by committee could be over. This is the guy, because only guys get to do that when it's your job. So... Uh, But look, if he can't go, then so be it. Then Daryl Henderson steps up, a guy that kind of sparked you early. He has the ability. Uh, He could be your starter. He could have been your guy. So this is his opportunity to stake his claim uh, for the number one job. And then Malcolm Brown will – come in and, and be that consummate professional. So yeah, you're gonna miss Cam Akers, uh, but you still have some capable guys and your offense still flows. You don't have to change anything with whoever comes in and carries the football. And as long as you're running effectively, like we said, play action, the bootlegs, everything will will flow off that. But yeah, it's just a shame. I wish you had Cam Akers in this for this game. I think he is great at setting up his blocks his football IQ you could see it just it just jumps off the chart and there's nothing you can't do with him uh once he picked up the pass protection so yeah um, you're gonna miss him but I think the guys that you do have the the two-headed monster of Henderson and Malcolm Brown you can you don't have to change a thing offensively you could run your entire playbook
0: you know, if that was the last time we see Cam Akers as a rookie, and I hope that it's not. I hope the Rams go deep. I hope he's able to, uh, you know, rehab aggressively and get back on the field before this uh, postseason is out. But if it is, I only wish that it would have ended with that game-winning touchdown and, and mm-hmm. have it not be, be called back because of a, a couple of penalties. By the way, the NFL picked a tough time to start calling holding again, didn't they? In, wow. In Week uh,
1: 15. Oof. You know, um, but anyways, can I wanted, say something about that? Ahead. I, that that yeah. one on Higby, that block in the back, okay, I've watched that, like, I'd uh, say about 25 times, and two flags came out almost immediately. I mean, almost immediately. You got one from the back and one from the side. They're looking for that. They were looking right. for that. <laughs> you know what but I mean? for the
0: better part of the whole first half of the season, we're we're at a historically low pace for holding.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. I mean, they came point. into this game yeah. looking for that sort of stuff. When you see – I mean, as soon as he puts two hands or a hand on the guy's back, you see two flags immediately. They were looking for that. So, yeah, I wouldn't say something was up, but something was up. And
0: then you feel bad for Austin Corbett to pancake a guy and get flagged. I get it.
1: Come on. Really? I get it. The guy's going backwards, he's on skates, and you call holding. Way to bail out the defense, guys.
0: The the thought I wanted to put out there about Daryl Henderson is this. It doesn't seem like he's – going to be the counterpuncher. he he doesn't seem to be the best compliment right these last few weeks really since week eight he's averaged fewer than seven touches per game and since cam Akers really arrived daryl's only got three carries for for two yards the last two games and and part of that is just opportunity but he also doesn't seem like someone who's just going to have spot duty and and flash necessarily i think he's in his short career proven to be better when he comes into a game knowing he's a lead guy yeah. He struggled to make a dent behind Todd Gurley last year as a rookie. I get it. There's a lot on his plate. But the more Acres got, the seemingly less impactful Daryl Henderson became in the backfield this year. So all that to say, I, I think Henderson is at his best, knowing the only guy behind him is Malcolm Brown, who's going to come in on third down in short yardage. And I would expect Daryl to look like the tailback that Pro Football Focus had ranked you know, one or two for the better part of this season.
1: I agree, man. I mean, look, there can only be one starter and sometimes for running backs, it takes them two or three carries uh, to get a feel for what the defense is doing and how your O-line is blocking and then they can exploit it. So if you're coming in in spot duty, it's going to be tough. Uh, It's just, it's a tougher role to be a backup tailback. I mean, a true spell a guy type player than a starter i mean a spell a guy type is you're coming in with a certain package of plays and you're only running that and then the starter comes back in and you run the offense but daryl is a guy that needs to be in the offense he needs to get hidden within the offense to be effective uh so i think like i said this is his opportunity to be the lead guy uh to to carry it you don't have to look over your shoulder it's your show So go out there and turn it loose. And early on, he was the guy that gave you a spark. So he could be the guy that gives you a spark to end the year. Remember C.J. Anderson and what he did? Mm -hmm. It wasn't anything Mm -hmm. new. It's just they ran the football. They ran it tough. They ran it effectively. I see Daryl Henderson having that same sort of effect this season for the Rams. Uh, There's been a portfolio of running backs that
0: the Seahawks have had to shuffle through. But I think... Coming back for the rematch against the Rams. This is largely the way they want it with Chris Carson available, Carlos Hyde, Rashad Penny uh, coming off uh, the ACL. He tore at the Coliseum and playing his first game against Washington last week. Um, you know, active and, and good to go, the Norwalk, California product. All right, DeMarco, uh, we turn our attention to the Seattle Seahawks, the final two games of the regular season. They're both divisional games, uh, they're both rivalry matchups, and now we know that after the loss of the Jets, the Rams have to win both to win the division. But in a sense, you wouldn't want it any other way, right? If we had said during training camp, your two wins against Arizona and Seattle away from sitting atop what we think is the best division in football, that'd be a good position to arrive at, despite how we got here, wouldn't it?
1: JB, I would rather be sitting here with nine wins talking about beating Seattle to get into the postseason or beating Seattle and Arizona to get into the postseason versus talking about Trevor Lawrence. Wouldn't you? <laughs> Of course, of course. I
0: just, uh, I won't be able to to fully buy into that until the memory of that loss at SoFi Stadium is is behind us, hopefully with a win over the Seahawks. Merry Christmas, DeMarco. Thank you again uh, for another great show and for another great season of, of being your broadcast partner. Appreciate
1: Definitely, you. Definitely, man. Merry Christmas, JB. Happy New Year, everyone, and to too. Of,
0: <laughs> and to the rest of our audience, exactly right. We'll be on the air three hours before kickoff. We'll talk to you in the 10 a.m. hour Pacific time. Our pregame coverage with Travis and Kirk here on 710 ESPN.